0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Event Transformation Podcast, a series of one-to-one conversations with experts who are making change in the sports, festivals and live events industry. I'm your host, my name's Chris Randall, and I'm obsessed with events and the opportunities they provide as a storytelling platform. In this week's show, I'm speaking with Aaron Carter, founder of the New Zealand event agency, Total Sport. Aaron founded Total Sport 21 years ago and has delivered hundreds of outdoor running, cycling and adventure events in that time. We talk about his journey in the events industry over the last two decades and how Total Sport has evolved in that time as the industry has grown. The key theme throughout this week's episode is how the purpose behind Total Sport has been pivotal in the way they deliver events, how that contributes to creating a great team culture, and most importantly, how it has influenced the creation of an incredibly supportive community that's helped them weather disruption from COVID throughout 2020 and
1: 2021.
0: And I'm absolutely stoked to welcome our first guest to the series, which is Aaron Carter. Aaron, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. I'm slightly jealous that you have a little bit more COVID freedom than me down in Pokal. But we should be moving forward with our alert levels, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to that myself. So for those who don't know, Aaron is the founder of the New Zealand-based event agency Total Sport, uh, a, a company that he launched 21 years ago feels like a long time now, I think. And um, w- why I think it's a great opportunity to get Aaron on as our first guest is that he has seen a lot and will see a lot more. So I'd love, Aaron, for you to introduce yourself a little bit um, and introduce Total Sport a little bit. Uh, so give our, our audience a little bit of an idea about what you do.
1: Yeah, for sure. Hey, well, thanks for thanks for having me and approaching me probably a, a month or so ago and and. um Asking me if I'd be keen to do this. Always, you're always keen to have a chat with you, and um, you're always keen to chat events. You know, it's kind of it's it's really the only area I I know. It's really the only career I've ever had. Um, so yeah, as um, Chris mentioned, I have started an event called uh, a company called Total Sport, and we did actually celebrate very quietly our twenty first birthday in lockdown about um, yeah, about two weeks ago, I guess. Um, and we're, yeah we're all about um, participation based events and we're into really uh, getting connecting people, getting people into amazing natural locations to you know be together to primarily to run trails and off-road stuff, um, to ride mountain bikes and walk and, and to a lesser degree do multi-sport and that kind of thing. And we do, these days we've got 20 events in our portfolio and those events get delivered um, in about a 40 to 44 week period. So we actually have quite a big break through the summer. So every two to three weeks we're we're knocking out another event and, and um, we, we sort of organize and deliver events as far North as Whangarei heads in the North and as far South as Central Plateau, sort of an hour, hour and a half uh, South of Taupo, which is, as you mentioned, where I live these days, we've, Kind of odd times at the moment. We we do, as you say, we've got a little bit more freedom. But um, h- half the team now—we're a team of eleven. Half of us are in Topol and the other half are actually in Auckland. So I think some of my colleagues might be <laughs> might be on the call, and um, hopefully we'll catch up for our Friday afternoon drinks a little bit later, guys. But I hope you've all had a hope you all had a good week. Very odd times. I am. I am. Um, I decided to to stay at home to kind of support the Aucklanders I haven't ventured out today so I'm um, I'm pretending for the next little while that I'm uh, in, in level four as well <laughs> um, yeah but um, yeah nice I'm um, nice to be here thanks yeah thanks again for the invite No, it's good and uh, welcome to the other total Sporters
0: online I can see Bryce uh, Dave Franks on there um, and a couple of others Mark Fordham um, great to have you guys on from total sport um <laughs> Uh, Just to the people watching, if you've got any questions you want to send through, please do. I'll try and uh, weave those into the conversation. Um, So, Aaron, we we met about eight years ago, I think. um, And one of the things that struck me a lot about Total Sport is you said you've got a pretty hectic schedule. I'd call it prolific. Can you even
1: remember how many events you've delivered as Total Sport now? Have you got a tally? Yeah, I did a presentation a while back and did some... Did some rough maths, and I think the number, so I guess there's events that Total Sport kind of own and operate and deliver, and then there's also events like in in the early days in particular, when I was, you know, Total Sport was me. It was a one-man band. I did quite a bit of contracting as well, but the number sits somewhere in the um, 400s, I think. Um, Yeah, it's you know, give or take, uh, maybe 5% either way, but um, a a lot, hundreds and hundreds, man, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Um, uh,
0: Huge congratulations to you and and the team. It's uh, 400 events over um, that period is is quite a lot. (laughs) And we were joking just before uh, um, around kind of uh, how change happens in the industry. And I'm I'm wondering if you can give us a bit of an insight into what's changed in the 20 years you've been in the events game um, and what's remained the same. So whether are there are any any themes that are new that just weren't there twenty years ago, I think there probably are. But I'd be really keen to get your insights into that.
1: Yeah, I th- I think a lot has changed, and what I find really interesting is the cycles that that happen in this industry. So we sort of you know, and I talk when I say that I'm talking about events that are kind of trending at particular times, and they drop away, and then they they come back, and they you know they become kind of events that people want to do again. But um, there's some pretty, I think, some pretty common themes. What what wasn't there um, back, you know, 21 years ago, I guess, was the market around these kind of pay-to-play events was pretty small. So in some ways, I guess we, you know, along with it, there's still, there's a handful of, you know, of them out there, the Frank Clarks and Sean Collins and those kind of guys and ourselves really, who sort of pioneered that whole space around, Introducing the events to a market that were actually prepared to kind of dip their hands in their pocket and pay to run or ride or do a triathlon and that kind of thing. But I think, you know, if those t- two other guys in particular were on this call, we'd all probably have a bit of a chuckle around um, how shoddy we were at doing this stuff. Um, I mean, I fondly <laughs> remember. Uh, when i look back now some of the, the delivery of some of the events that we did in those early days was very very scratchy you know everyone was kind of working it out as we went like we we really didn't have a whole a really very really good idea of what we we're up to we would come people would come back from our events having been lost in the bush for three hours and they'd throw their shoes in the bin and disgust and say well that's the last <laughs> trail running event I'm ever doing um, there was you know we kind of just birthed the the, the business and kind of just very organically grew um, but the big change I think that The constant change has been the growth in the market, I think. People that really have shown an interest and a commitment into doing these kind of events. Um, The sustainability, which is a really overused word, but it's a really legit one, I think, in the event space. Like, you look at what we do and a lot of the other businesses do now around really, really genuinely committing to sustainability. And... You know the um the eco kind of aspects of the events that stuff did not exist. Well, that stuff did not exist probably five years ago, ten and definitely not ten or twenty years ago. Um, but I think you know the big one has just been the the maturing of the industry over the last twenty years has been probably the thing that I look at and see as being probably one of the most interesting aspects of the of the industry that that just exponential growth like in those early days being able to pretty much go, well, it's, it's, it's fair game. The, the calendar is clear. Where do you want to put an event? And now it's like, okay, who are we going to piss off by putting an event on this date? Who do we have to pick the phone up and sort of apologise and say, hey, we'd love to avoid the date, but we can't. Um, so the whole game has changed, I think, around that too, that um, there's still only ever going to be 52 weekends a year. And, um, all of our, you know, type of events happen on the weekend. So you, you've actually only got a kind of a hundred days to, to, to bang out those 20 events. So yeah, massive, massive, um, growth, I think is, is the piggy there. Yeah. I think, that,
0: um, a couple of those really important themes you've picked up on there, the professionalism, um, kind of around that health and safety legislation probably forced that issue a little bit as well, um, mm. over the last few years. And, um, I've even seen it in the last decade is the number of event professionals who run like the consultancy or contracting side of our entire industry. It's like that workforce piece that you bring in for for short amounts of time. Um, That's really got a lot more depth now, I think, in the last decade. Um, One of the things which I always have admired around Total Sport is you guys – always seem to come back to what you guys refer to as your why like why are we doing this what is our mission or vision behind it is that something that's has evolved over time as well and, and how do you well, what is it for a start and, and how have you defined it
1: yeah it's um y- yes it's evolved like every little aspect in this business um and we probably don't have time to go into the the shambolic start to total sport in the early days and um, my complete lack of planning and understanding around business. But um, what did, yeah, what has changed or what has evolved through those through those years as we've become a little bit more aware of what we are as a business um, is, is, is the why, the whole purpose thing. And it's, it's actually now really easy to define. And it's it's essentially about getting people to c- connect and share and to inspire others and be inspired and, and naturally, Natural locations, like it's kind of that simple. As we believe, one hundred percent that the magic happens when you get a bunch of like-minded people together, and you know all all genders and sizes and shapes and ages and abilities. It doesn't matter. I think the the whole connection thing is is the key there. That um, you get those people together and you pop them in an amazing spot. You know, on a trail somewhere along a coastline, in a national park, and you've and you create this really inclusive environment It's another really really critical part of what what we do and what we really pride ourselves on is trying to be a place where there is no ego there is no kind of hey i'm better than you and and you shouldn't be here because you're doing a 5k walk and i'm doing a you know i'm doing a run uh you know a marathon run for example like just getting people into those places and you just look around, man, and I still, you know, four, 400 and something events on, I, I will still turn up to our events and I have, have not a lot so much to do on the operational side anymore. People far smarter than me who work for Total Sport, you know, deliver these events to much a much higher level than I ever could or did. Um, but I still think we all are as a team kind of really connected by that purpose. And I think it's just, it just because becomes really clear and evident when you get to the events what they're about and you've you you know you've, you've been to a few of ours um done some done some volunteering at our events over the years and um that's what comes through too from the community i think and the feedback that we get from the people is that that is the thing that brings them back yeah they want to go out and challenge themselves and and kind of smash their bodies a little bit and you know feel the feel the hurt and all that kind of thing and, and earn the beer but at the end of the day, it's about the actual just the getting out there, making new friends and seeing old friends. And it's, it's why um, we've grappled hard every lockdown at this whole virtual event thing. It, it's just something that we can't get our heads around as a business because the magic is the togetherness and the magic comes from the t- togetherness and the connectedness but it's also about the place where you get the people as well like that that buts really that's really really important yeah, so the, yeah. yeah
0: yeah I think um I I remember back in a couple of the events that I worked with you guys on in a voluntary capacity sort of 2014 2015 and um, the, there's two instances that spring to mind that really underpin what you're just talking about there for me the first was, and this is—I not know you didn't have fun this day, but the the Xterra Winter Series run at Dome Valley, um, I think, was maybe 2014 or 2015. And oh my God, that day was a horrendous weather day. Um, but I tell you what, really shone through. Everyone behind the scenes like just dropped themselves, but people were having a great time still because they were out and the course was. I mean, it was a challenging course. I remember climbing up a muddy hill on a rope at one point, but um, people still had a great time and the atmosphere was still there at the end. But it wasn't just the atmosphere of the the participants. I remember all of the staff at the end kind of being pretty like, you know, we, we pulled that off and we still give everyone a good time. Um, uh, and, and probably in a slightly more uh, happier day was up at Colville. Um, I remember coming up and, up to colville with you guys and we were having beers afterwards um i think it was probably the total sport staff house and it was just this mix of staff and athletes and i'm pretty sure there was a few locals in there and i was like wow this community's cool like and, and we were we sank a few beers that night and it was just a really fantastic mix of that entire community it wasn't like the segregation of of, of different parts it was it was really memorable for me
1: um yeah, yeah. I think that night no, spiraled out of control a little bit. That Coble <laughs> one, actually. But um, I, I, I finally, I finally <laughs> remember it. Yeah, and it's interesting that those are the two, you know, the two episodes that you that you remember because you you've kind of nailed it. Like it doesn't, as you know, like anyone anyone in events, and not not even out necessarily that style of event we put on. Like it's never a hundred percent, man. Like it'll never be perfect. And I think if we ever decided that we go gave ourselves a ten out of ten. I for one would probably get a bit bored. I'd be like, well, if it's done, if that's the best we can do and it can't be done any better, then it's maybe it's time to try and find something else. Like it's never perfect. And some days get, you know, relatively close and then other days you're up against, you're up against it. And we've, we've had a lot of those days where it may look like it's going all right on the outside, but we are really scrambling, man. And you know, we're, we're, struggling just to try and get our, get our shit done behind the scenes but um as you say like if, if the sun's out and, and and people are having a good time and you're putting them again into those lovely spots then that kind of um smooths a lot of the cracks and that um that community thing too like again it's a it's a word i think that gets a little bit a little bit overused at times but there that just actually is And it's your sponsors and your suppliers and your stakeholders and your participants and the staff. Like they all just do come together. Like there is just this really lovely kind of family vibe at the events, and it's something that I think we're all really grateful to be a part of because we we you know we're just one little part of that one little part of that whole thing, and it's kind of all of those other bits that you know that bring it together and make it so cool.
0: Yeah, you did right. Um, I'm kind of interested. How do you uh, weave those themes into your event design and over the last couple of years you've you've kind of created and launched a few new events that are I guess fresh in the you know not the not the stuff that you were doing 20 years ago but how how does the mission and the why for you influence the way you design events now
1: again I think it's you know, and again having, having been through all this and kind of modifying and and tweaking over the years like we sit down we we try and get together once a year we call out the total sport hui and the sort of objective of that is to revisit our strategy and all that kind of thing and i feel like like it's never complete but we are all really again really clear around what total sport is and what it's trying to be and what it's trying to deliver so we actually don't get that involved anymore in these in-depth conversations around strategy it's more like we've we've kind of got it, so let's kind of drill into other areas. But the one thing that we start with now is location. So we've kind of pretty much flipped it on its head. We'll go, hey, there's a spot. And I think a good, there's, there's a lot of examples. A recent example is, is um, a newish event that we started two, two years ago called the Poronui Passage. Like we had access and uh to this amazing location that was largely inaccessible to people you can't just wander into this place off the street and go for a run or a ride you can play you can pay exorbitant money and go and stay there and and, and have a good time but um it's this beautiful station sort of 35 minutes from Taupo heading towards heading towards uh Hawke's Bay and um we kind of started there and we did the deal and we met the, we met the people there and we kind of explain to the you know the, the people that work at that place what total sport is all about and they were you know genuinely interested in working with us and creating an event that kind of was very much the nature of the sort of thing that we did they'd never been involved in this kind of thing before so we kind of went in there and essentially put the agreement together and then started on the right now what do we do like we secure the location and then step back and go right what do you think the market want here you know what are they what do they want to do they want to ride their bike they want to run they want to walk and um you know and that that particular event i think we we were pretty nervous about that one because that really took us into a whole space that really hadn't been offered before the kind of real luxury style event where people were paying three to four times what they would normally expect to pay for an event of that nature but um it proved to prove to work first year was a bit a bit touch and go second year, the market kind of responded and, and you know, the word spread and it became, became this new offering. Um, and that's, that's kind of how it's been really for the last few years as it's, you, you find the spot. And I think the other thing about us as a team is we all love the stuff like that. We, when we talk about why and purpose and all that kind of thing. And then when we talk about, if we get to the recruitment thing later, um, you've got to find the people that get what you're about and do what you do, what you're, what you're delivering. Cause if you, if you don't do it and it doesn't matter at which level you do it, you, you can't peddle this stuff effectively. And really at the end of the day, we're all peddling something, right? Like we, mm. we want people to do these events, but if you can't have a conversation with someone around, you know, mountain biking or, or, or trail running or something like that, it's very, very difficult. So the fact that we're also into this stuff and it's all such a, big part of our lives um it just kind of makes all that stuff a lot easier
0: mm. it's a really genuine connection from the team and it all I think it almost becomes intrinsic because you know you know what for yourself you know what makes a good trail running experience or you know what makes a good mountain biking experience and I'm pleased you brought that event up because just you you know you mentioned at the start there's only 52 weekends in a year and people are still trying to launch events at the moment and the ones that are doing something different creating a unique selling point in a new location or in a new sort of style of event i think they're the ones at the moment they're going to get the the airtime because they're going to cut through yep. um, whereas if you're just launching another 10k in a you know relatively rural um, sort of big place then you know why do that versus one of the other 10 events that are on that weekend <laughs> <laughs>
1: Absolutely, man. I mean, that, that, we touched on it earlier, like that that congested calendar, like you're always going to be up against um, against someone. We joked, <laughs> half-joked recently, now that you know, we're looking at all the effects of this round of lockdown and the postponements to events and all that kind of thing. And um, we sort of half-joked, and I think it was our last Friday's team drinks, that um, maybe we might actually just put one of our bigger events on Christmas Day. And that might be the only time that we actually get a clear weekend. I think Christmas is on a Saturday this year. So um, <laughs> we'll keep you posted.
0: Well, I, it's interesting. I, I, uh, like a mutual friend of ours, Scott Rice launched a winter swim this year. And when he told me about it, I was like, Oh, I don't know how that's going to go, but it went, it, people loved it because it was different and it was in a, its own unique window. There wasn't much swimming going on at that time. And, um and, but it got the buzz because it was new. It was different. It just wasn't another um, open water swimming event in because let's face it, New Zealand's the, one of the most beautiful places on the planet to put events on. We're incredibly lucky that it's our backyard. Um, yet you only got to go a little bit further to to create some some magic. I think, and that that event you've, you you're talking about there is. I remember you told telling me about it in... In Wellington in 2019, and I could tell that you guys were super, super <laughs> passionate about it. Um, but I could also tell you were super anxious about how it was going to yeah. go. <laughs> I,
1: I don't think my, um, I don't think our accountant was quite as passionate about it as um, the, as the rest of us were, because there's you know there's a few of us that have to actually step back to and do the business stuff and look at the economics of all these things. And it was a highly risky event to put on, man. Like, um, but. I think we've been in the game long enough, and and it's one of the things I think we pride ourselves on as a business is that we're pretty we're pretty nimble and we do change. And events do sometimes have life cycles and they drop off. Um, I shared with the team a year or two back. I sort of created a spreadsheet of all these events that we used to do and don't anymore. And I think I think there were a lot of people at Total Sport who, you know, who hadn't been around as long as me, who were genuinely surprised about how many events we didn't do anymore. You know the Dome Valleys that I think got done once or twice, and um, the Colville connections, and there's there's a million. You know that they don't all they don't all last, but we very much have a strategy around trying to introduce you know new events every one to two years. And um, but funnily enough, at the moment, I mean, keep we're talking about Poronui. We've we've we're about to launch another one similar to that, which I'm really excited about. It's got all the same sort of elements as. As Paranui. So that kind of smaller, slightly more luxury kind of based event. But again, in a location that you cannot just wander into, but it's an absolute stunner. Mm. Um, and we've got we've got two or three other new ones in the pipeline too. And I think as a business, working on the new stuff is really important and it's really exciting. I in particular get really fired up about it. It's kind of where I spend a good chunk of my time now is on the sort of new business development side of stuff. And it keeps me, it, it keeps me, really interested in the business, that's for sure. Mm.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of interested to pick up on something you mentioned just before around um, people and, and staff and, and your workforce and kind of how do you attract and develop that talent? And you, you you mentioned around passion for the types of events that you're delivering. So when you're actually looking for staff, how, how does that transpire for you?
1: People actually... I mean, we're, we're really fortunate, I think, because we're a kind of, you know, we're kind of a sexy business in a pretty sexy industry. Like it's it's an attractive place to be and it's, it's easy to talk about the stuff. People are, and, and again, we're very grateful. People are always up for a chat about the stuff we do because it's different, you know, like I'd say taking a bit of a guess here, but probably 70 to 80% of the people that come and do our events probably probably sit in an office for, you know, the vast majority of their work weeks. So you can always have a really authentic conversation with people about the stuff that we do. So I think I'm right in saying that <laughs> we have only ever gone to market and sort of traditionally recruited once. And that was the also the one time that I had to have a pretty difficult conversation and um, that, that, that person didn't quite make it to the 90 day because the fit just wasn't right. So generally what will happen is when we decide that, and we've just gone through this process actually, is when we decide that we're looking for someone new, we'll just start with the network because I have this kind of romantic notion that anyone that works for Total Sport should be on our database. They should already know about us. So we often, we, and we get a lot of a lot of approaches too from people that are, um, you know, showing interest in, in wanting to work for us and all, all that kind of thing. So there is generally a pretty good pool of people that we that we can um, talk to when positions become available. And then for me, I I'm a I I really believe in the character over capability thing. Like because what we do here is not rocket science. It's actually it's it's and not to demean the amazing work that anyone in this industry does, but you know, it's pretty straightforward once you've got process and systems and and that kind of thing. So I'm a massive fan of finding the person. We talk of this analogy about getting, you know, getting the, the right people on the bus. That's the number one thing is make sure you open the door for the right people and get them on the bus. And then once they're in there, you kind of find the right seat for them. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how it's generally been done. And, and again, we, you know, we've got a a long list of people that have worked for Total Sport. And, you know, I'm proud to say that, you know, for the, for the most part, and and we lose a few along the way, but, um, you know, most people have spent a fair amount of time with us. Um, We do everything we can to kind of look after them. And understanding the industry, I think is important, like, this, as you know, is an industry where you can really burn out if you aren't looking after yourself. So it feels like I spend a bit of time telling people not to come to work, which may sound a little bit counterintuitive, but it's really important that we can kind of provide the balance and create the space for the people that work at Total Sport to actually not be at work, if that makes sense. Like if you've got it under control and you want to do, you go take a three, four day weekend, then nothing pleases me more than just seeing people not at work. (laughs) <laughs> you know because when you're just constantly gunning for D day um and you know that you you've got to be up for it when when event day rolls around um we sort of have just put a lot of effort in trying to create a culture of of kind of um you know self responsibility around everything that you do and i think i think one of the really important things around being a um a business owner but more of a manager i think is just giving people the resources that they need to get their job done and then letting them get on with it. But also doing that in such a way that it's not that I'm no longer interested. It's like, I'm here if you need me. But I also completely trust in what you're doing. So you don't need to come and talk to me or your manager. We have a manager and that manages each, each of our teams, one in Auckland and one in Taupo you know, you actually have the ability to kind of just get in there and do it yourself. And if you do wake up one day and it's like, and this is not the best time to be talking about this right now in, in level four lockdown in Auckland, but if you do wake up and you feel like not going to work, then that's okay.
0: Yeah, I, I really like that approach and empower people to get their job done and give them support if they need it rather than the opposite way around. And I, I also 100% agree with you in terms of um, the, the skills and uh, uh the expertise, you can train that in the events industry. Um and but you can't train personality and behavior as easily. Um so I, I, I strongly believe in that fit as well. Um and and the network effect particularly in the events industry is huge. Uh in like you don't see that many jobs advertised really. Like Seek isn't the place to go really. If you want a job in the events industry, the place to go if you're in the events industry is to go to events and, and meet people. And I, I posted recently um, something around if you if you want to get event experience, find the events you like the look of and just contact them. Cause I don't know of any event manager or event organizer who turns people away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's just unheard of um and i've we've my recent history hired a lot of people as either on paid contractors or permanent staff after they've either done internships or or volunteered or other things i think it's a great way in
1: oh for sure man i 100 agree i mean again we're, we're pretty lucky we have a fairly steady stream of people that put their hand up and volunteer we we have a lot of students that come and do placements with us. Pre-COVID, we would have up to half a dozen international students that would come and spend as long as six months with us from places like France and Holland and Germany and that kind of thing. That's dried up a little bit too. But, yeah, I mean, it makes... we we. Uh, Dave, who's, I think, on the call, who's our overall general manager of the business, you know Dave pretty well. You know, he's the guy that's responsible for the day-to-day kind of ongoing operations of the business. And he also manages the delivery team out of Auckland. He 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 did a he did a placement with us, and um, he's been with us for sixteen years. <laughs> um, so out of out of his he was at AUT, and I fondly remember him back in those you know back in those early days and um, doing kind of projects. And I remember being at his end of year um, presentation in front of his class, and yeah, we you know we we managed to hire him, and he's you know been with us ever since and is just an absolute gem of a person and an incredible you know an incredible kind of guy to have on the team too so we that that's how it happens and anyone that reaches out to me and I'm sure it sounds like you've had the exact same conversations is the way to get into this game is to put your hand up and volunteer and you're absolutely right identify the kind of stuff that you're into and then just go and volunteer and just hang out and talk and that's you know that's that's where we go to for the people when we need them right. was how
0: about you in the first place? It's, it's right yeah actually yeah, yeah. Uh, it was I think my first uh, total sport volunteer gig was Xterra Shakespeare 2013. Is um, it really? Because I'd been i have been working with Nicola uh, for those who don't know Nicola is uh, Aaron's wife and we worked together on the World Triathlon Series event in Auckland. And um, yeah, it's just how you build your network. Talk to people mm. and, and, and put your hand up. I think it's really, really powerful. Um, you mentioned before around if you're not feeling good, don't come in. And you actually really uh, encourage people to, to not work. <laughs> um, and you recently posted that the team at Total Sport were feeling less anxiety this time around with the COVID lockdowns. And I guess maybe those two things together, but what do you guys do to help make that be the case, managing anxiety and things like
1: that? I, I think there's kind of two bits to that one. So the the, the first, yeah, that post, uh, that LinkedIn post that I think I did a couple of weeks ago, the, the point I was kind of trying to make first with that was just to kind of, you know, show support for the, for the industry. Like events, it's hard, man, isn't it? Like it's hard anyway. And in COVID times, it's really hard. So w- what I was trying to do was to show support and to tell people i guess that we were feeling better we got so much support in that first lockdown it was so humbling honestly i think it was the thing that got us through um we spent a lot of time in that last lockdown through kind of march april last year getting our processes our procedures our covid system sorted so now that we're back here we did all the hard yards back then to understand what to do back then we we didn't no one had a A clue what was going on right it was just what the heck is going on in the world so we now have the tools and the systems and the processes to deal with the stuff when it happens so whilst making decisions around postponing and cancelling events and all of the bits that go together with that the the credits and all of the financial ramifications it's all sorted now it's on paper we know what to do it's like if that happens then we push play on that plan Whereas, you know, 18 months ago, we were like scrambling around like the rest of New Zealand trying to work out what, you know, what to do. So that was kind of the point I was attempting to make was that I was hopeful that other people had gone through that process as well. And despite the fact that we're all back here and, you know, revenue kind of goes from this to that and, you know, you've got those things to worry about, the fact that you don't need to worry about the other stuff is important. You can lean on the stuff that you did and all of the time that you put into the planning last time, which I think we've done. We've done it We've done it well. I'm super proud, again, of my team who get it. They roll the stuff out. We've got this really strong kind of inclination and kind of desire to communicate authentically and honestly with the people that do the events, even when we don't necessarily have the answers. I think we sent a communication out today that sort of said, hey, this is where we're at. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen because we're all at the mercy of, you know, the decisions, the decisions that get made by the government. Um, but I think it's important to get those messages across. And then the other bit, the the kind of personal anxiety. And I can, you know, probably speak for myself. I, I can't really speak for everyone at, at the at Total Sport, but what I think I know is that um again, because we're all kind of connected by the stuff that we do on a day-to-day basis, which is delivering these events. And we all are to some degree runners or riders or kayakers or whatever. We, We get out and you can't beat just disconnecting from the computer and getting out into nature and sucking in that fresh air. And that for me, I think has been one of the key things that has made me a lot more relaxed through this lockdown. The fact that I (laughs) ended up in hospital having nearly chopped my toe off two days into the last lockdown and I was kind of immobile for six weeks. I probably went to about the darkest place I've ever been that I can remember. Um, So I for one have every day thinking about the state I was in in the the last lockdown where I was pretty much immobile, wasn't able to do the things that kind of gave me my me time my defrag time and 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 this time around, I'm able to get out. You know, every day pretty much I'm 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 lucky enough to be able to get strap the shoes on or jump on my bike or I think I get to play my first game of golf on Sunday, which I'm really, really excited about. Um, so it's the, yeah, it's the it's I think it's just it's kind of practicing what you preach. Like we're out there constantly telling people, we're saying, hey, come do these events because they're cool. And they give you all these other benefits. But the benefits that I think we get from this stuff is so much bigger than the physical well-being, the fitness and stuff. I think you you just can't underestimate the kind of mental well-being and the mental benefits that you get from being outside.
0: Yeah. I remember... Um, I didn't know that you'd nearly <laughs> raked your toe last year, but um, I, I remember in the first set of lockdowns, I I remember calling you at one point and I was in a quite dark room and I was lying on the sofa chatting to you. And I I was in that part where I was like, I just need to see that everyone else is feeling the same way, almost. (laughs) Kind of validation that it was okay to not feel great. (laughs) Um, And that's one of the other things that I think has been really great over the last 18 months is the inter kind of industry connection has got stronger if anything for me uh, and people aren't as uh, possibly precious about IP anymore because the benefit of the industry of sharing you know what are you doing and that's such a common question now It's how are you managing this I remember our conversation where you were we were leading into level two and and, and I had a slightly different view on on things than you but it was really great to see that people were you know trying to make it work and uh, and you know ah oh, that my interpretation is this what's your interpretation because even now I mean there's so many different levels of ways you can uh, cut the, the guidance and the law I suppose and it's really sharing a sharing industry has, has kind of been even more created now where the potentially, two years ago people were playing things a little bit closer to their chests maybe.
1: I totally agree, man. I think I think that um, if, you, yeah, if you look for an upside and there's always you know there's always one there sometimes it's just a bit harder to see it is, is exactly that that you know there's been a lot of sharing there's been a lot of um, and another overused word at the moment, you know kindness, but it's actually really important you know like to actually be there for people and to make stuff available and we've you know we've done quite a bit of that over over the last little while as you know if if people want to have a conversation around what they're up to and they want to see some documentation that we've done then that's fine mate we're all in this together eh um us kind of hiding away and not 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 sharing this stuff is not not helping anybody so we yeah we we try we try our best and also we you know we get that back from from people as well you know that um just that yeah, there's just I think what has occurred to me over this last 18 months, and you kind of always know this. You, 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 we're lucky enough that we get to hang out around with great people, but when the you know the shit hits the fan, man, there's some people that just come out of the woodwork and they just are very so, so nice, and they really you know they really want to help. Like we had just several examples of that, particularly in the last lockdown, where people just made themselves available to do whatever they could to help us, and this just this really constant message of. We just want to see you guys back. You know, we've got we've got a, a following of people that you know, and it, it, and it just gives me enormous pride that it people would just do whatever they could to support us. Um, and I've been pretty vocal about this too, like the way in which we dealt with the whole financial thing from COVID last time. Like we were not in a position to make cash refunds, like we just could not do that. So we we again spent hours and hours trying to work out how we were going to deal with all this and we sort of settled on this whole credit kind of policy and we ended up issuing around I think two hundred and fifty dollars to $300,000 worth of credits which in our business which turns over, you know, we're about a $1.8 million business. We're not that, we're not very big. You know, if people had all cashed them in, we there'd be no total sport. Like we ran the number, it's that simple, man. Like we looked at it and went, this is a big risk but we have to do something and a lot of people just said, we're not using them thank you like we get it thank, thanks for the gesture around you know doing that but it's far more important to us that you know when we get through all this madness that you guys are still here because we really love doing your events <laughs> and I, honestly man that was the stuff that was the stuff that got me personally through last time and we're sort of in that position where we might have to just play that game again Um, we're going to lose without a doubt we're going to lose a bunch of events this time around Um, And the 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 timing of this lockdown too is interesting, but far worse than last time because we've got a whole lot less weeks to push events into because we're in September. At least in March, April last year, we were able to kind of shuffle things through later parts of the year, but there's literally not really no weekends left. Yeah,
0: that's a big issue, right? Because fifty-two weeks a year, and it's already stacked, and then suddenly you take. Two or three months worth of events and stack them on the next two or three months worth of events even if the the market's there to do all those events the supply chain may not exist um or the or the workforce may not exist or the volunteer pool may not exist and i think at some point something's gonna give um but i think i think what you've just been talking about really really underlines the need to build trust and community um so that those that last 20 19 20 years maybe that's what's paid off there mate
1: totally I, I mean you know the conversations that we had as a as a team t- talking more like you know March April last year when we we're in this for the first time and that's you know that's what we leaned on that's what I would say to the guys I'm like I think I think this is what's called goodwill guys I think I think in, in a way we've earned this you know over sl- slogging our guts out over the last 19 20 years this support that we're now seeing from the people that you know that provide us with jobs is is what's keeping us going so I uh, yeah i for whoever's listening um you know and hopefully there's a few participants too like you just couldn't just can't underestimate that level of support that we got from the people that do the events in particular, who just, you know, opted to not kind of use these credits and some do, and it's all good. There's zero judgment, man. Um, we've, we've kind of tracked them and it's just been, it's been actually really interesting to see the sort of, to sort of see the stats behind them. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been a really important thing for us that the, Mm. the community has supported us all the way through. Yeah. That that's
0: awesome. I wanted to ask you maybe a little bit of the elephant in the room, but, um, (laughs) <laughs> the the last uh, the last round of of lockdowns in New Zealand um, towards the end of uh, of August and, and through the start of September um, it was inevitable that this was going to happen at some point but one of the locations of interest from from a Delta variant point of view uh, was one of your events and mm. I, I wanted to ask you um, a little bit about t- tell me a bit about the experience of living through that as an event organizer and, and how you managed it.
1: Um, we'll- I, I didn't manage it. Um and again, this is well, I mean, I was I was on the on the edges, but um again, and as you know, things just the way in which the people at Total Sport deal with the stuff. It was essentially managed by Julianne, um, who's the the event manager who you know, um, manages a bunch of our events, including the Xterra series. Uh, and and Dave, of course, is the kind of the overall kind of lead in, in the Auckland office. Um I I found out from them, I didn't get, I was not the first contact. Um, but on day eight, which was the Monday, yeah, Monday week after the event, which happened on, on a Sunday, it was the exterior at Totra Park, um, with about a thousand people, plus some spectators and some supplies and that kind of thing. Yeah, we were informed that, um, that there was a case that had been at, at the event. So we immediately, based around the kind of New Delta rules, everyone at that um, event became a, a close contact. And according to the rules, we needed to, everyone there needed to um, isolate and to be tested on day five and then again on day 12. So the first slight issue was that we we didn't get that call until day eight. So everyone was off scrambling to getting their, technically their day five test on day eight. Um, and then again on, you know, like four days later. So I remember being here back and I'd, I'd driven back on Sunday uh, from that event and got that news on monday uh, sorry the monday the following monday and was up at the up at the testing station here in topor and fortunately we didn't we didn't become a you know a super spreader event and i think <laughs> one thing that we kind of thought about there was that you know maybe these outdoor events were uh, are less of a risk the fact is, is, that you're right, I think it was inevitable that an event of our nature was going to become a location of interest. And I forgot, I may have no idea what they're up to. I think the last count I saw was there was about, about 700 locations of interest or something like that. Um, and again, we sent some pretty swift messaging out to the people that had been at the event and had a few, you know, like you can't at this point gauge how people are going to respond to that stuff that's very much personality based i had a few panicky texts and calls to me and i'm sure the whole you know the whole total sport crew did and all we could do was just kind of pass on the information that we got like we the first the the, the the first the first communication was pretty much just a black and white this is what needs to be done this has pretty much come from the ministry of health go do this if you're at this event do this this and this and then we sat on that for a few days and then we went back with something a little bit softer um that kind of the, the most important thing was that people just acted and got got the shit done that they needed to get done because the last thing any of us want is to you know be responsible for exponentially growing the you know the the case load so we dealt with that but and then we and then we sort of stepped back into total sport mode which is kind of more the empathetic, empathetic kind of right hey guys you know, how are you going that this, this is not a good place to be and we sort of backed that up with a slightly softer con- uh, communication, which also sort of outlined policies around what we're up to. And again, you can never please everybody, but overwhelmingly people kind of got it. They appreciated the quick communication. And
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think communication is really key in, in that particular instance. And um, it's pleasing that you got pretty clear guidance from the government in that case and um, it's probably worth mentioning for people that are listening now but anyone who's listening to the podcast later on that it wasn't just that event that was uh, a location of interest there were other events as well um, and, and a very extensive list of, of locations of interest in New Zealand but it was inevitable that it was going to happen at some point and um, um, you know fair play to the team for managing it the way that they did the, the communication going out and people getting getting onto it quickly Yeah. Um I got a kind of a follow-up question. I'm just conscious of time now, but um, kind of got a question, like looking to the future, um, what do you kind of see? How do you see us going in the short and mid-term future? What are the trends going to be from this point? Because at some point, hopefully COVID won't be the only thing we can talk about. Uh, what, what's going to be next for us as an industry, do you think?
1: You know, actually, out of this, I see... Um, i see growth <laughs> i see i see a lot of, i see i, I see hope um, and i see you know i see the ongoing commitment of the delivery of great events not all, you know and again not not all in the space in which we play but um, along the way we're going to see um also going to see some devastation which we've already seen like we're going to see some players just without the ability to carry on and that's you know that's that's really sad um, there's a lot of small operators out there who, you know, are just not going to be able to make it through and are going to have to find something else to do. And for that, you know, that saddens me greatly. Um, but it, it is going to pass. It is, you know, it's, it's um, maybe the world's n- never going to get quite back to what it was pre-COVID. But um, what I genuinely believe is that, um, you know, the, the events and the need for them and the desire to do them, Because of the whole all kind of you know events and it doesn't really matter which kind of event it is, that what we learn is that people just actually do wanna connect. Zoom's great, but Zoom doesn't tick the box around really connecting with people authentically and in a way in which is, you know, in which we see as being really positive. So I actually think out of this, there's gonna be a whole lot of innovation. Um, I think what the, you know, that is to use an example, a little example, that um, regional events fund, which came out of the first round of, of COVID, the, the, the $50 million fund that kind of got um, carved up into the regions. You know, things like that are going to become the catalyst for more interesting, cool events out there that people want to do. I believe demand will go through the roof. Um, again, because it's that whole, if, you know, when you can't do something, it just creates this sort of latent desire to want to even more. And I think for people that do our kind of events where it's so much more, like people see the benefits of it for, for so much more than actually just being at the event, it's actually their opportunity to, to, to spend time with themselves and with other people and they get all of these other mental benefits as well. I just think that, that that's not going to disappear. I think that's going to carry on. And um, actually, you know, I'm eternally optimistic on my good days. Um <laughs> And I wouldn't be in this game if I wasn't the eternal optimist because there's been a lot of tough times along the way and a lot of accountants I've had to get rid of because they didn't tell me the stuff that I wanted to hear or I just didn't wasn't open to hearing that. Um, you know, I think we're going to get through it. And, um, and I don't know exactly when that's going to be. I feel the rest of this year is marginal in, in, our, in our space. Um, we're really starting to have to think about how this next couple of months are going to go um it's going to involve some pretty tough calls there's going to you know there's going to be events to get cancelled and if we can get through this year I feel like we we get into next year and and I feel like we're going to be in pretty good shape
0: yeah that's awesome we had a question that came in before um around that we did someone saying that there's maybe not a whole heap of barriers to entry to the events industry so uh, how, how are we maintaining share and, and creating point of difference? I think you've kind of touched on that a little bit there for me, which is I think the events that are going to thrive and the companies that are going to thrive are the ones that are creating something new, but also quality. Um, and I think with the ones that are creating the quality experiences, the quality connections, and I, I love virtual connections but this one thing I don't get from it for me, which is energy exchange. It's yeah. really hard to get that energy exchange and that atmosphere. And what's been fascinating for me is just those seeing finish lines or seeing event venues, absolutely humming and people connecting and hugs. Um, another one of our good friends, Paul Chartres who started the Tarawara Ultramarathon. He pretty much, um, you know, he's got, that event is all about hugs and people if you don't get a hug from paul at the finish line you feel like you've missed out on part of the event experience so i think that uh, in answer to the question that came in for me and i think you've touched on it is the sh- the maintaining share and creating point of difference is is creating quality and and actually innovation for me totally agree yeah Hey, listen, we're coming to the end of our uh, time a little bit. And um, I just wanted to say uh, thank you so much to Aaron for joining us and and being the first guest. That was a really enlightening conversation. And um, we touched on some things that. I think we, we we have very very similar views on um someone's mentioned in their comments here that they love the idea of a christmas day event so you might have to follow through on that now uh sorry to total supporters who uh, uh, are on the call um <laughs> you may uh you may uh may be losing out on your december there um so yeah once again thanks to aaron for joining us um this audio will be published next week onto all of your favorite podcast platforms for people to listen back to. Um, And look out for our next webinar episodes. Um, Our next one is in two weeks time with Bennett Merriman who's the founder of Rostify and he and I are gonna have a great chat about how to engage your workforce and volunteers um, and how that's probably shifting uh, post COVID uh, being being a thing. Um, so that's the 24th of September, New Zealand time, 23rd U.S. time. And then two weeks after that, um, you're not going to want to miss this one. Steve Edelman, who's the uh, founder of Adelman Law in the U.S. He's a, a live events lawyer and the vice president of the Event Safety Alliance. And that guy is a very entertaining speaker. So please look out for those announcements um, and join us again in a couple of weeks time. Um, in the meantime, Aaron, if people want to connect with you, where's the best place to do that?
1: Oh, best place probably email. I think um, yeah. It's Aaron C. W A R O N C at totalsport.co.nz. There it's, you go. Uh,
0: if you want to do the Christmas, the new Total Sport Christmas Day event, uh, mail your support into Aaron. Um, I know that he really loves the chat. He really loves the discussion, and they will want to connect with as many people. Um, and thanks for tuning in, and we'll see everybody next time. Cheers, mate.
1: Cool. Cheers. This has been another episode of the Event Transformation Podcast, brought
0: to you by Blurter, the event delivery platform for sports, festivals, and other mass
1: participation events. To find out more, visit blurter.com.